Hello, my name is Anna, and if you're into scary stories and creepy real-life happenings, then I think you will love my podcast. Let me tell you a scary story. Join me every week as I read to you stories of the paranormal that actually happen to ordinary people. These are things that can't be explained and don't always make much sense, and they are sure to intrigue and to give you the shivers. So join me on your favourite podcast listening platform and let me tell you a scary story. Welcome to State of Fear, where terror is homegrown. Join us as we take a drive down dusty back roads and discover the obscure and dark history of this country, human and otherwise, that lurk in your backyard. State of Fear podcast. I'm your host, Chris Davila, as always. Welcome to New Year, guys, and welcome my co-host, James Bishop. What's up, my brother? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, uh, buddy. Glad to be doing it again, man. Going crazy, but I've been enjoying the holidays, chilling out. How about yourself? How you been doing? Same, man. I'm doing good, you know, uh, enjoying some time off. Looking forward to New Year, though. Uh, looking forward to everything the New Year has to offer. Um, you know, all the, despite all the crap that happened in, in 2020, 2021 is looking to be a better year hopefully amen well see we're still on the precipice yeah we're recording this just prior to new year's yeah. but by the time it comes <laughs> out it'll be 2021 so we'll see if everybody's still here by the time this, if this episode you know, even this comes out is so. even able to drop if the world hasn't ended because i mean we, <laughs> i think we're recording this yeah. now we've got about a day and two hours left so we'll see what happens at that after that point yep but so so today is uh, as i said is Rhode island the uh, smallest state in the Union. Um, Rhode Island. Rhode Island. Have you been to Rhode Island, James? I have indeed. And what did you I, do that, there? They got wild, they got little island, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we visited a small island there full of wild mustangs. Very cool. Oh, that's cool. I think I think it was either there. Hopefully it wasn't Delaware because I'll come on looking stupid. But <laughs> this state literally took like 20 minutes to drive across. Yeah. I mean, it was tiny. Don't have many stories about it. It's very beautiful. It's coastal. Uh, I do believe we left on a ferry from there and rode the ferry back up to Jersey, which was pretty cool. But other than that, not much to report. But yeah, it's it's beautiful land. It's very brief. It's like it's like don't blink or you miss it kind of stuff. <laughs> not much know? of so it. Yeah, I th- I literally think the state's like fifty miles long. 
if something like that, you know, it's not very big. You know, I speaking of which, I, when we go over our facts, I don't think I included that, but I may have included the size of the state. I probably should have in the facts, but yeah. I think I glanced over. But we'll see what happens when we go over the the facts for the state today. I I literally think Houston could cover the whole state. <laughs> <laughs> Man, Houston covers like a bunch of different states because especially up in the northeast, this, they're so small. You know, this is true. This is true. Houston is way too damn big, man. Yep. So, well, all right, man. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into some of those state facts of Rhode Island, shall we? Why not, man? Let's do why it, not? Let's do it. Let's get right to the good stuff. Come on. All right. It's not called what you think it is. The state's full official name is actually the state of Rhode Island and Providence Plantations. It's the longest official state name in the nation for the smallest state. That's interesting. It's also the one state name that would not fit inside the state on a map. So that's why I just showed it to Rhode Island. <laughs> yep. That's always one of them states that's got the line drawn on the map out into the middle of the ocean somewhere with the name of the state. Yeah. Because they yeah. can't print it on the map, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's I think that name literally is longer than the state itself. Yep. Yeah. Uh, although it is home to America's first indoor shopping mall, the Westminster Arcade was built in 1828 and was the first enclosed shopping experience in the U.S., Almost 130 years before the first modern climate-controlled suburban shopping mall, which opened in Minnesota. It's now a historic landmark and contains 48 tiny Rhode Island-sized apartments. That is awesome. I like that. Because, you know, back then, all the New England states had all the cool shit. So, I mean, that was interesting. Coffee milk is its official state drink. It's made with coffee syrup mixed into milk. The same way you would make chocolate milk. The Rhode Island-based company Autocrat is one of the only businesses in the country that makes the syrup, and Autocrat's product is the preferred syrup for the state beverage, according to the Rhode Island government website. I've never heard of that, but uh, I definitely I do want to try that. It sounds actually pretty good. I think Hazel would like it. Oh yeah, she's a big uh, uh, big coffee and milk fan. Hell yeah. yeah, she was. I'm surprised that the, did she go with you when you went to Rhode Island? Absolutely. That's but I don't she... think, but I don't think we got any while we were there. But yeah, I'm very surprised. I think that was one of the first things she would have sought out. Yeah, it was me, her, Billy, and the Moose. We were on that East Coast trip we took about six years ago. Hmm. We need to ask her if she had some before. I need. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think I will. Rhode Island is nicknamed the Ocean State because one can get to the ocean from anywhere in the state in less than an hour's drive. The state is only 37 miles wide and 48 miles long. Oh, I did include it. Awesome. Great. 48 miles. I was two miles too long. <laughs> yeah, and I wonder how how far across is Houston from end to end, I wonder. About 60 miles, I think. Is it really? I think so. I might be wrong, but you, if you want to measure it. Let me take a look real quick. Uh, it's 669 miles squared. Yes, that's a lot. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is way bigger than the state of, uh, of Rhode Island. All right. right. Yeah, so that's like 40 miles by 40 miles. That's just the, the city, though. You, can, you know, all the uh, suburban areas and other small cities that just basically run into it, like Katy and Pearland and all that. It's just a big old mass of, mass of peoples down here. Yeah, you take all the suburbs, and I mean, it's huge. Okay, well, for all you gemologists out there, Cumberlandite, Rhode Island's slightly magnetic state rock, 
is only located in significant quantities in one place, a four-acre stretch of land in the city of Cumberland, Rhode Island. In the 18th and 19th centuries, it was used to make cannons and tools. I'm thinking meteorite. Yeah, I've never heard of a Cumberlandite before. That's interesting. Slightly, Slightly magnetic and only in one small little area, a little four-acre stretch. Yeah, I'm thinking meteorite. Mm, yeah, I think so. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Portsmouth, Rhode Island is the first town in America to be established by a woman. Anne, ah. Hutch- Anne Hutchinson in 1638. Good job, Rhode Island. Way to, way to go, Anne. That's She's right, probably sick job. of listening to the men jibber-jabber and says, I'm going to go get my own shit. And she built a she-shed and started her own town. And she's like, look, I'm sick of you guys just talking about it. I'm gonna get You're not going to get off your ass. I'm going to get off mine and, and do something. That's right. Make your own damn sandwich. Kiss my ass. I'm out. That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what she said. All right. Well, let's get into some famous Rhode Islanders, shall we? Indeed, uh, we shall, sir. First one is the famed author H.P. Lovecraft. Ah. Author of all of the Call of Cthulhu novels and subsequent novels. Okay. I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> We got my boy Harry Anderson, if anybody knows. He is from the TV show Night Court. He's done some other appearances as well. And he was an accomplished magician. He uh, unfortunately passed a few years ago, though. He did. Funny, funny guy. Yeah. It was a great show. I love Night Court. Oh, man, it was great. Uh, Now, this individual wasn't born but resides in Rhode Island and is part of one of the state's most famous teams, Jason Hawes of TAPS. Jason Hawes. Yeah. And while we're on the subject of TAPS, we got his boy Grant Wilson, the other half of the TAPS team. And I believe he was actually born in Rhode Island. So I believe he was born in Providence. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. That's fantastic. Actually, very nice guy. And I'm hoping we get him down here once we get our uh, event fired back up at some point. Hopefully he'll uh, join us one day. I would love to have him. Yeah, I, I like watching his show on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, he seems like a really great guy, so I would love to meet him for sure. Indeed, sir. All right, bud. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into your news story of the day, and we'll, and we'll see what you got for us this for the first story of 2021. You got it. All right, boys and girls and all you fans of the strange out there, we have a real good one today. We got uh, subject matter, of course, uh, which goes along with the current period. This is a article called Bizarre New Year's Eve Traditions from Around the World. Article comes from the Ripley's Believe It or Not website, and it is actually dated today. This is fresh news. This is like the freshest news I have done on this show so far. Now, I, I just want to say, uh, so you, you pick out the news stories. And yes, I do. We always talk about how you somehow find news stories that, of course, are international because we want to cover everywhere. But you somehow find the ones with the hardest pronouncing words in the entire English language. 
and I was scanning through the story, and it looks like this one has them again. And I'm like, I don't know why you choose <laughs> to do this to yourself every single time. But you know what? Good luck to you, buddy. Yeah, well, I'm just going to throw the Texas into it. So if I have to pronounce a word with a southern draw on it just to get through it, I'm going to do it. All right, guys. Well, be so. prepared. There's going to be a lot of uh, mispronounced Texas <laughs> words via Texas. So we apologize in advance, but we're just going to power through it. We're going to do it indeed. Here we go, my friends. All right, let's do it. So what do you think of when it comes to New Year's Eve? Fireworks, champagne, posh parties, and excellent music? In other parts of the world, December 31st looks very different. From effigy burning to plate breaking, furniture throwing, and demon visits. Sounds like my house. Check out how locals in other parts of the world celebrate. It also sounds like a New Year's Eve party at the in-laws' house. Yes, it does. The Oga no Namahage Festival. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> On New Year's Eve, groups of men dressed like Namahages, terrifying demon-like or ogre-like creatures, descend on the houses of children. What the hell? They terrorize them into obeying their parents during the year. <laughs> I like that. Warning them against laziness and naughtiness. The characters' origins remain buried in the pages of ancient history, although some experts argue that the Chinese emperor introduced them to the island approximately two millennia ago. Yeah, leave it to the Chinese. Scare the shit out of the kids. That's great. Seriously, that is all the kids of that area need right now at the end of 2020 is for these things to actually appear. I know. Well, the most famous of these festivals takes place in northern Honshu, besides scaring the livers out of the children. <laughs> the what livers. The hell? This is what it says. What it scaring says. The, I, the Namahages also protect against disasters and illness. Some people even believe they bring good luck in form of plentiful food and good harvests. It's terrorize the children's and and then bring food, you know, bring a plate of food in, in the process. I don't oh get. Oh my it. gosh. How do parents welcome the Namahages? How many times are they going to put that in here? I'm going to say the boogeyman. As honored guests who receive maki and sake. Nice. Ooh. Man, that's, that's better than milk and cookies. Yep. The next odd tradition is dropping a drag queen in a red high-heeled shoe. Interesting. In, in Key West, Florida, locals celebrate the New Year's Eve with a one-of-a-kind celebration, the dropping of the drag queen in a giant red high-heeled shoe. Celebrity drag queen Sushi, a.k.a. Gary Marion, has been lowered from the balcony of the Bourbon Street Pub at the stroke of midnight since 1996. Wow. When the tradition first started, Sushi rode a makeshift coach crafted from a <laughs> from chicken wire and paper mache. Wow. Oh, that's just entirely too uh, too uh, gauche for a drag queen. We need to up that's the too, game here. That's too so, hipster. Yeah, it is. But when the weather stopped cooperating, Key West needed a new plan. They enlisted the help of a local auto mechanic to design a more permanent shoe. Today, Sushi's Ride gets a fresh coat of glitter before each annual event, and the drop draws throngs of locals and tourists. Pretty cool. Absolutely. Smashing plates for good luck and prosperity. Now, this now, sounds fun. Now, that's, that's you know, to me, I was always a Greek tradition. I have a Greek friend, and I ask them about that stuff, and they do that kind of thing all the mm -hmm. time. Opa, you know, and they smash the plates and all that good stuff. It's yeah. kind of a respect thing. But in Denmark, good luck in the new year comes with the sound of smashing plates. 
All year, locals collect unused and unwanted china and crockery to prepare for this annual tradition. Oh, man. <laughs> On December 31st, when other days, I mean, whoops, duh, they yeah. head into the streets carrying stacks of plates ready to do a little throwing. It's believed that hurling dishes against their neighbor's front doors will <laughs> <laughs> auspicious outcomes. Yeah, it'll piss me off. God <laughs> dang. I'd come out with a shotgun, try to blow them out of the air while they're in flight. Cool. That's it. The bigger the pile of shattered china on your doorstep, the more you have to look forward to in the coming months. Also, the more you have to clean up. Shit. Yeah, no kidding. After the plate breaking comes to an end, Danes indulge in a New Year's Eve meal. It includes boiled cod with mustard, and for dessert, they savor croissant a towering marzipan ring cake with frosting. But here's the problem. What, they, what the hell are they going to eat the shit on? They done bust <laughs> up all the plates. What are they going to eat it on? I think well, it's called the finger food. I guess so. Another good one, tossing old furniture out the window. Just make sure you take your mother-in-law out of it before you throw it. And you open the window. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that would be helpful. Yeah. But you remember the adage, out with the old and in with the new? In parts of Italy, such as Naples, locals take this to the next level. How? By throwing furniture from their balcony windows. <laughs> but, Jeez, you know what? Balcony? I ain't got... Hey, that tells me right there. Do not walk the streets of Naples at midnight on December 31st because your ass is going to get taken out by a couch or something. You're going to get an ottoman to your dome. That's it. The tradition represents a fresh start in the year ahead. Today, locals make a few concessions to ensure passersby don't get clobbered with falling debris. Ha ha. Oh, oh. They make make a few (laughs) concessions, James. Just a few. Just a few. Most Italians stick to small, soft objects that won't cause concussions. Well, right. how how nice of them. Like ravioli. That's it. Ravioli. That's it. That said, you should still watch for flying objects on New Year's Eve if you happen to be strolling through the streets of Naples. See, I was ahead of my time here. The same goes for visitors to Johannesburg, South Africa. Although both cities are worlds apart, they practice the same tradition. You have been warned. Well, hello there, little black kitties of the night. Come and join me, your host, Deadly Debbie, as we go through my creepy files and listen to real-life, strange-but-true stories from people all over the world. Explore the weird and wonderful in my weekly podcast with Deadly Debbie's Creepy Files. <laughs> Now, one that's a little more uh, hate-filled, in my opinion, because I never did like the burning of effigies and stuff, but the burning of effigies and scarecrows is another tradition. While people in other parts of the world ring in the new year with fireworks, locals in Ecuador celebrate Año Viejo by burning scarecrows and effigies of pop stars, politicians, and other notable figures from the past year. They craft these effigies from old clothes stuffed with sawdust, newspapers, and if they're doing politicians, bullshit. (laughs) Then they place masks on the stuffed figures, rendering them recognizable. Why effigy burning, you say? Ecuadorians see it as a type of symbolic cleansing of what went on in previous years. 
Now you know what? If we burn twenty twenty, <laughs> man, yeah. you know how much how many effigies we'd have to build. The world man, would be on life. fire. Yep, pretty much. Just torch the whole place. They also believe these acts cancel out bad things that happened during last year. Ah, so, yep, I think we might be doing some effigy burning this year. Mm-hmm. With the craziness that has been in 2020, we are sure Ecuadorians will have plenty of scarecrows to burn this year. See, that's oh, yeah. the problem. I think too far ahead. You do. I think too you far do. ahead. And then I read, and then I just read what I just said. So, yeah. yeah. But that's how the story is written. I like it. That's a cool These story, are some pretty man. cool traditions. Yeah. Uh, it was written by Ingrid Barnett. Let's give her the uh, the credit there. Great job, and uh, man. Tell those you are, what, those are cool traditions, <laughs> cool stories. I like that. I like learning about different things in, in different parts of the world. Yeah, I still like throwing that furniture out the window. That's pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and good advice you gave, my friend, is to definitely make sure you open the damn window and make sure there's none of your relatives <laughs> sitting on any of the furniture that you decide to heave into the night air. Or just be like the Italians and just stick to throwing pasta out the window. That's right. It's ready. That's right. Nice hot cheese pizza and hit somebody in the face with it. Mm. That's a good a year. (laughs) Not to the guy screaming down below because his face is being burned off. Hey, what are you going to do, right? Oh, man. Great story, dude. All right, man. So why don't we go ahead and get on with the main topic of today's episode? Yes, I'm very interested in finding out what the topic is, my brother. film by the name of A Nightmare on Elm Street introduced the world to the villain Freddy Krueger. Frodwick. Frederick Krueger. Yes. Freddy was a creation of Wes Craven. He was a child killer who was killed by some parents in the movie who then comes back and begins to attack the teens of those parents in their dreams with the help of his iconic brown bladed glove. And I'm going to tell you what, as far as horror, horror villains come, he was one hell of a creation. I'm serious. Yeah, he was def- he's definitely unique. I mean, he's one of those, the most unique movie monsters out there, for real. Yeah. Now, this actually sounds very similar to a legend from the area around Cumberland, Rhode Island, by the name of Fingernail Freddy. Are you kidding me? I'm not. Cumberland. Same place, same place where the where the meteorite hit. Same place, yeah. So in northeast corner of Rhode Island lies Elder Balu Cemetery. Now among the other graves that are in there is a grave that may be the another possible inspiration for Freddy Krueger. The spirit of Fingernail Freddy is said to haunt this cemetery as well as the woods nearby. 
Sometime in the early 1800s, a recluse named Freddie lived in a house with his very ill daughter in the woods near Diamond Hill Road in Cumberland, Rhode Island. One day, three boys came upon the house, and for whatever reason, because boys are jerks, their boys are just destructive yeah. for some reason, they set fire to the wood to a wood pile near the house as a joke. Unfortunately, the fire spread very quickly to the house and to a barn nearby. Freddie observed the three boys running away before going into the house to try and save his daughter. He was badly burned in the process and unfortunately was unable to save her. <sighs> you know, boys will be boys, I guess, but... Uh... Man, I'm t- this, this creeps, man. I, that's, that's like I said, my, my faith in humanity is just at an all-time low, but, you know, when you hear about stuff like this, just senseless death, you know, and he was probably a regular... Nice guy until, and then here we go. <laughs> yeah, as, but as a recluse, he was you know he was outcast and seen as probably something evil anyway because he just lived by he like lived by himself. Yep. You know, and That's nowadays right. he he'd be seen as as like a uh, as a uh, um, pioneer. You know, being being all social distancing champion and everything. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the boys were actually caught uh, very quickly afterward. Uh, and a trial was brought forth, but unfortunately, all three were acquitted of their crimes. Oh shit! So that obviously that's not going to go well with with uh, with Freddie. No, that ain't going to work with Fred. He he no. he, he, he he about to do something. Yeah, he lost his only daughter. So of course, upset over the lack of justice, he threatened the boys in open court and before the whole town, and swore that he would levy his own justice on them before he stormed out of the courtroom. Now, now today, if you do that, you get labeled a terror. Yeah, as a terroristic threat, and they'll jail you on the spot. Back in the day, I'd be yep. like, "Oh, damn!" Vigilante justice ran rampant in the old days. So, hey, hell yeah, yeah. And of course, there'd be there'd be cell phone footage of the whole thing going on because everybody films <laughs> everything, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's why I tell people I think the evils of the world have been more exposed because everywhere you look. There's cameras recording people being stupid. You got your road ragers, you got your thieves, you have your assaults, and and just the ugliness of humanity has reached a peak, you know, has reached a fever pitch right now yeah. because everything is being recorded. It's nuts. It just drives me crazy how people just film so much. Like, I'd, I guess, I guess because I'm older. I'm just I'm not on my phone that much, um, except when I have to be, and I'm certainly not on the on my phone to the point where I'm just randomly filming day, parts of my day, yeah, hope, hoping that something happens that I can post later on because I have I have shit to do. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. I got stuff to do today, man. I, I ain't do. got no time for this bullshit. No, it is believed that he lived alone in the nearby woods during that time where his fingernails were said to have grown out and resembled claws. Shink. Yeah, exactly. Wolverine Wolverine in the house. One year later, one of the boys was found dead. Good. And and months later, the other two would be found murdered as well, all with their throats ripped open and bodies clawed apart. Holy crap. Now, a search of Freddy's original homestead was conducted after the first boy was found Unfortunately, no one was able to find him at that time. So several months later, after the other two boys were found murdered, and eight days after the final boy was killed, a searcher witnessed Freddy sneaking into a trap door in the floor of the remains of his homestead. 
So apparently he'd been living in his, I guess you call it his basement the entire time. Cause his old, his old homestead was burned to the ground. There was nothing there, but just like just the, the, the skeleton of it. And so he'd been living yeah. in the basement this whole time. Well, back in the day, we call that the root cellar. Oh, I'm sorry. The root cellar. Okay. So he was living <laughs> in his root cellar. Drinking his but moonshine, the, but it but it is New England area. It is the colonies, so you're probably right. It probably was more of a basement kind of thing. I'm sure it had a bunch of food and stuff, and that's where they usually kept their their food was in their root cellar, right? Yes, sir. There we go. All right. See, and I it was also a little cool. bit about like you said, they keep their meat down there and stuff because it's always much cooler. Oh yeah, for sure. Now, when Freddie finally emerged, he was said to have been half mad and had purposely grown and sharpened his fingernails into weapons. That's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's instant justice. I mean, that that is, you know, that's that sounds like a movie, actually. Yeah, and people don't, you don't underestimate the power of a fingernail. I mean, no. you, you, your fingernails are very strong. Yeah, especially if, if you sharpen them down to, to very, very fine points. That's it, man. You, got, you know, get that. It doesn't have to be that long either. You get you a good half inch, and then you can really get a hold of that Adam's apple and yank that bitch <laughs> right out. Which I believe is what Freddie did. Yeah. I think he, so. He straight on roadhoused that, those people and tore them throats <laughs> out. Yeah, I'm laughing at some guy ripping somebody else's throat out. But you know what? They torched his house and killed his kid. So, right. yeah, I don't yeah, care. The hell with him. Yep. Now, unfortunately, he was captured and hung on the spot. And they later, buried, they later buried him near his daughter. According to residents, though, the foundation still stands in the woods. And with the permission of the Sisters of Mercy Administration and or the Rhode Island State Wardens, you can go and visit the foundations to this day. Mm. But you have to have the permission. Otherwise, you will be escorted off for trespassing. Oh, man. So we could go ghost hunt that bitch. We could go. We can go get permission and go check it out and see if we can see man. if there actually is a basement or a root cellar in there. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to do. win the lottery and do some state of fear on the road stuff, man. State of fear road tripping, man. That's what I'm talking Hell about. Hell yeah. Now, there have been a couple of sightings of uh, his spirit in the past uh, decades, or actually I should say uh, centuries since he passed away. Uh, a husband and wife visited the spot and was taking a bunch of pictures with separate cameras. She had a 35 millimeter. He had a digital camera. The wife's pictures all came back oversaturated her mm. 35 millimeter one, but the husband's did not. And matter of fact, at one point while they were there, they sat down to watch some video he had taken on his digital camera. And they claimed to hear a low menacing voice come from behind them, telling him to get off my land. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Yeah, it was it was Clint Eastwood. That's what it was. Yep, that's it. Now, another uh, sighting was one night some friends were racing down a road when they crashed their car near the remains of the house. They were unhurt, but while examining the car, they claimed to have seen something moving in the remains. After making sure their car was, was in working condition, they got back in and hauled ass out of there. They wrecked, but then got back in the car and hauled ass, huh? Uh, I, I assume that because they were racing, they just went off the road, didn't really hit anything. I gotcha. You know, but but because gotcha. you go off the road and you hit, you hit that, that you go from concrete or asphalt to like gravel, you worry you might have messed up something. Oh, so they got yeah. Out check it. Yeah. Just so happened to be been, right been near the remains of the that. house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, uh, going back to the idea that this was a possible inspiration uh, for Wes Craven's creation of Freddy Krueger. 
you know, there are some differences, but there are and, and some similarities. Uh, both have burn bodies, sharp claws, and take revenge on kids. Yep. Though for different reasons. Otherwise, that's it. Um, personally, I think the residents of Rhode Island have made this association themselves. Uh, I found an original posting, or the original postings, I should say, of the story were from 2006 to 2007, and they make no mention of any association with the Kruger story. And of course, Freddy, of course you know, not. Nightmare Elm Street came out in '84, so this is before yes, the original posting that I found. Now, I did find one instance of it being associated with it, but it was from a story in the Warwick Beacon from September 2011, and it was three men discussing their documentary called Haunted R.I., or Haunted Rhode Island, uh, from the Haunted Rhode Island investigative team. Uh, and one of the individuals, the three men, uh, is Brian Har- Harnall of Ghost Hunters fame. Okay. Remember Brian? He's the, he's the dude run. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anyway, in that story, he is quoted as saying he believes that Fingernail Freddy's story to be the true inspiration for Kruger. He says that the legend of both men is eerily similar. Now, while there are similar points, that's I think that's pretty much a reach. And he's really the only person that I can find that even make that comparison. Well, you know what? You don't really know, but I'm sure tons of horror movies take their inspiration from something, some folklore or some, you know, wise, you know, old wives tales and stuff like that. Sure. You know, curses. There's all there's all kinds of material out there people could base their horror movies on. Now Pinhead, I don't know where the hell he came from, but man, he was great too. But shit, <laughs> he, came, he came from somebody's uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, S and M dream, some weird S and M nightmare that they had. I suppose so. Clive was a Clive was a very sick but very cool dude. Oh yeah, but I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because Wes Craven has actually gone on record as stating where he got his idea from Freddy Krueger from. Oh, he did? He did. He did an interview um, not too long ago uh, in which he stated that the inspiration for, from Freddy Krueger came from an article published in the LA Times recounting the story of a refugee who escaped from the Cambodian genocide of 1975 through 1979. Wow. Now that's the Cambodian genocide under the leader Pol Pot that killed, I think, about 3 million. Yeah. Yeah. So the refugee said he was terrified to sleep for fear that he would be attacked in his dreams and would never wake up. When he finally fell asleep and his parents believed his fears were conquered, they were awoken in the middle of the night when he began screaming. When they got to him, they found he had died in the middle of a nightmare. Oh, boy. He was among a group of dozens of young Southeast Asian refugees who would die in their sleep for unknown reasons during the late 70s into the 80s. Holy Stories crap. that would be... F- that would be featured in many stories published in the LA Times. That is how Wes Craven came up with the idea for Freddy Krueger. That's awesome. That, that I is, mean, that's terrifying. That, it's, it's it's terrible that these people died in their sleep like they did, but the whole concept, man, it's just wicked. I mean, I love the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Right. I mean, they got a little hokey after about the third one, but. You know, <laughs> but then they came back around um, for uh, what was what was a uh, final nightmare? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. They kind of brought it back in the pocket. But yeah, I mean, just that whole concept was just off the hook, man. Yeah. But it's terrible. I mean, the whole story of the because I remember hearing about the uh, the Southeast Asian refugee deaths like a, a couple like a decade ago. Um, and it's just terrifying to know that there are so many people who just died in their sleep of, of 
yeah. nightmare. Because from what I understand, that the there were a lot of medical uh, requests that were done on the um, bodies, and uh, they couldn't find any medical reason as to why these individuals died in their sleep. They can detect traces of cardiac arrest and things of that nature, things that can kill, you know, like if you're in sheer terror in your dream, like if you're falling, you know, if you've ever fallen in a dream, you never actually hit the ground. You always wake up before you hit the ground. I mean, at least I have, I've never hit, <laughs> Right. but you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, so that, that's just strange. That's yeah, just so but, strange. So despite that, the residents believe that the spirit of fingernail Freddy is active to this day, haunting the remains of his old homestead. And I believe that to be true. Like I said, I always think souls are not there, but residual energy and high level emotional states and traumatic events like that create these lasting impressions in these areas. And you can go back there and do all kinds, you know, you can probably pick up on all kinds of stuff. And like I said, maybe we need to do that one of these days because that just sounds cool as hell. I mean, I really think that a lot of times we create our own ghosts. And so, you know, yeah. and the idea of, of Tulpa, Tulpa figures being created by out of sheer will and, and thought. So if enough people believe something is, is uh, happening or something is occurring, I mean, there very well could be some sort of spirit out there that just happens to be in the area where the, the legend is based off of. So people automatically assume that's just yeah. fingernail Freddy. You know? Yep, it's yeah. easy. One of the I might oh, yeah. make Very up a easy. legend yeah. and see if I can get it out there and see how how far I can get with it before people realize it's all made up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. No, you never know. So, all right, buddy. Well, that's the uh, that's topic for today. And um, why don't you go ahead and tell the folks that they, if they want to check out all of our bonus material or just interact with us, tell them where they can find us. Of course, you can find us on all the finer social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, and even the big evil Facebook. Uh, we ha we do have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash state of fear, where you can support us at the one, five or $10 levels, um, you know, various levels of material, adless episodes, bonus materials, bloopers, which God knows we have plenty of those. Plenty of those. And things, if things of that nature. We also have a tpublic.com merchandise site, which we're working on. And like I said, as the future comes around, we're going to have so many more cool designs and stuff. Go check it out. See what you think. You so know, get it on also, the ground floor. Also, like I said, we are on all major platforms. Spreaker, we're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Apple. we're on YouTube. If you want to go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel there and hit the notification and subscribe buttons so you can hear all of our latest episodes. Chris has done a great job. He's got everything out there. So go get it. What the hell go are you waiting for? Check it out. And in 2021, we're going to have a whole lot more coming up. So just uh, stay yes. tuned. Yeah. yeah, like I said, we kind of got things kind of got squashed a little bit and some of the stuff we want to do got a little put back due to this uh pandemic but hopefully we'll get through it and be done with it and we'll get back to what normal is supposed to be yeah i'm definitely looking forward to hopefully safely getting back out there and actually doing things out there in the uh in the wide wide world me too. Like I said, we're going to be doing our Cash Landrum UFO thing here for our Patreon, but we got to wait till it's a good time to do it. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm, I kind of yeah, because we we've been trying to get that done forever. Because like, like as we, we sure mentioned before, have. I I lived like ten minutes from where the event happened, but uh, I'm I'm kind of I kind of wish we had done it uh, sooner than than we mentioned because the uh, the date of the event was actually 
December 29th, 1980. So we just passed the anniversary. Yesterday. Yesterday, as of this recording. Holy crap. So yesterday, yesterday was the 40th anniversary of the crash landum UFO encounter. That would have been perfect because we do it next year. 41st anniversary. I hate odd numbers. I do too. I do too. I wish I'd have known that. But you know what? situations are the way they are it's we can't help yeah. what happens so we can't we'll just have to do happy 40th anniversary in like three and a half months or something exactly <laughs> well, it, it'll still be there so but yeah i mean that's really cool i mean it's 40 years since the the cash land room and, and it's right outside my door so it's that it's is awesome awesome all right bud well why don't we head on to the next state and see what kind of creepiness we can find there absolutely man let's get on down the road you take care of yourself everybody thanks for listening we'll catch you next time 